The Courage to Lead, episode 176. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a phenomenal week. Uh, I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Sophie Zolman. Sophie is your business's new best friend. She's a certified online business manager, social media manager, and customer acquisition specialist who has been providing next level business support services to coaches, consultants, and visionary entrepreneurs for over 20 years. She's a skilled chaos coordinator with a passion for organization and uses her talents to give business owners back their time so they're free to focus on scaling their business and making more money. She loves creating strategies and systems that empower businesses to do more. Sophie, welcome to the program. Thank you. It is such a great pleasure to be here. I'm so excited today to be here and to chat with you. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I've been looking forward to the conversation. So in your LinkedIn profile, you say that you are a coffee addict. Yes. Same here. <laughs> um, an 80s rock and roll aficionado. Yes. And a proud muggle with a passion for all things Harry Potter. How did you get so engaged with Harry Potter? Um, well, it's all due to my son. He was, I believe, in middle school at the time the books were coming out and he was reading them. And of course, when they started making the movies, I promised we would take him to all the movies. And so we did. And by movie three, I was hooked and said, okay, it's time to read the books. And I got engrossed in the books like no tomorrow. When the new ones would come out, I'd get them before he did. (laughs) And then I'd have to do the no spoilers thing because, you know, he didn't want me to spoil it for him. And of course I didn't. Um, But yeah, it was thanks to my son and his love of Harry Potter initially that got me into Harry Potter. That's awesome. And the movies are fairly close to the books, aren't they? It's not like usually you read a book and then you watch the film and it's like, that's not the way the book goes. That's not the way the story works. But they seem pretty true. They are. There's each movie, at least several of the movies that I can think of off the top of my head have extra scenage that is nowhere in the book at all. And I mean, like completely, it's not that it's off story or anything, but it's completely not in the book for sure. But yeah, for the most part, it, it sticks to the story. It does leave out some details, of course. And they, and that's, I know that's one reason why they made the last part into two parts because they were trying to throw in some of those details that didn't get in, in the earlier days, but needed to be there for you to understand the end of the movie. Right. Wow. Fascinating. And she is a great writer. In fact, I just ordered a couple of her books. She is writing under a pseudonym um, and she's writing some like detective mystery type books. Cor- Cormoran Strike, I think is the name of the, anyways, JK Rowling is just phenomenal. So She is. She's amazing. Yeah. I have not ventured into those books, but uh, you know, I, and I do like detective stories. So at some point I'm sure I will, but for now I'm just sticking with my, my sci-fi, my fantasy, you know, genre, so to speak, because that's just magic is one of my favorite magic and witches and wizards and vampires and werewolves and all those things are, are things I just love to to read about. Perfect. Perfect. Well, in, in your business, it seems like you work magic for people. So we're going to come back and talk about that, how you help them. Um, but before we get started, I've got 10 questions that I always ask my guests 
Uh, listeners know these are the questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James looked and asked these questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I always figured if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So, good. Sophie, if you're ready, question number one, what is your favorite word? Um, on that thought of Harry Potter, magic. Magic is my favorite word because life is magical. Absolutely. 100%. All right. What is your least favorite word? I can't. Amen. Nothing is impossible if you put your mind to it. And, you know, if you can think it and dream it and see it, you can do it. And everybody has the ability to do it. So I can't is my least favorite words. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, I will accept I won't. I won't accept I can't. Right. I exactly. Right. Very good. All right. What, uh, question three, what turns you on? Mm, gosh, I'd have to say Harry Potter land, um, as I call it, Universal Studios, Harry Potter. It is just, it is my happy place. Uh, between that and the ocean, those are the things that turn me on that make me sing and, and bring me to life. Awesome. Very cool. Okay. What turns you off? Uh, negativity. Negative attitude, negative persona, you know, negativity just turns me off. Good job. Uh, what sound or noise do you love? Ah, the ocean waves is a sound I absolutely love. And then, of course, 80s music. <laughs> or 80s music by the ocean would be good. Yeah, I could both. 80s music by the ocean would be ultimate heaven. <laughs> Perfect. All right. What sound or noise do you hate? Uh, very high pitched noises, um, you know, like nails on a chalkboard or, you know, things scraping the street. We have a lot of construction going on outside mm -hmm. the window, but high pitched extended noises. It really just grates on my nerves and makes my ears cringe. Absolutely. All right. Question seven. What is your favorite curse word? has to be the F word. Yes. That is definitely it. F-bombs are my thing. <laughs> that seems to be the most popular. Yes. All right. Question eight. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I would actually be a CSI. I think if I had known that career existed when I went to college all those years ago, that's probably what I would have gone to college for instead of what I did. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if it's anything at all like the TV show. I don't know, but the TV show makes it look like a cool career. It does. Absolutely. It's one of the, it's like, if I did science and stuff for that, that would be cool. <laughs> exactly. All right. What profession would you not like to do? Um, hmm. I guess I would have to say, you know, Cleaning, house cleaning, car cleaning, whatever it is, cleaning. That is a profession I would not want to do. Okay. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Hey, there's my favorite 80s pop Stevie Wicks, nichey, witchy woman coming to join me today. <laughs> Very cool. All right. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back and talk about how you got your start, who you work with, and how you help them. Um, we're going to talk about courage and leadership and all kinds of other stuff. All right? All righty. So, sounds good. All right, listeners, we're going to talk about all of that and more right after this, so stick with us. 
Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Sophie Zolan. Sophie, thanks again for agreeing to be on the podcast. It's good to talk to you. Where are you calling from? Where are you in? I am in Nashville, Tennessee. Excellent. Very cool. So yeah, you're on the East Coast. Um so you have gone down to see Universal's uh, Harry Potter exhibit down there? Oh, yes. Many, 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 many times. And in fact, I'm going down there in September for my 31st wedding anniversary. Yay, good job. Yay. <laughs> Excellent. Very cool. So uh, I know on your, on your profile, and I think it's on your LinkedIn profile, you talk about the spiritual, transformative, and soul-led coaches and consultants. Yes. Those are the people you work with. How do you how do you help them? What is it that they're struggling with? Well, they are ready to go to seven figures and beyond, and they're struggling with getting all the day, daily details and work off their plate. They're still engrossed in the business and not able to really focus on their genius, their vision, and the things that will generate that seven-figure revenue and beyond. And so my team and I, come in and provide them with all things marketing operations and admin so that they can focus on the revenue generating things and and they can have the freedom to do what they need to do to make that to that next level. So what what does a typical engagement look like? If I was to call you up and say, hey, I'm I'm struggling over here, how would that work? Well, we have packages, so we, we, and we, you know, there's beginner, intermediate and advanced packages and depending upon where they are in their business and if they have team members already that are doing some of the work, we bring them into a package and those packages include a whole bunch of different things on a, you know, a regular level or, you know, the, the, the base components, and then they get more, they get to choose from a list of services that we're going to provide every month ongoing on top of the, the basic ops and management and, and contact point things that, that are a part of the package. And we, we work with them, you know, side by side, uh, you know, with those services and, you know, we check in to make sure everything's going well, those services can change and you can upgrade and downgrade as needed in the packages so that you're constantly um, you know, in a space with us that is working for you and, and, and achieving the results that you need to achieve by having us on your side. So strategies, systems, or both? Both strategies, systems, planning, um, management, execution and implementation, tracking and metrics, and, and everything in between, because you really have to have systems and SOPs and you have to have a real, I mean, most people have a structure, but they need to really fine tune it into systems and automations and tools and SOPs, and then people doing it, people planning it, plotting it, managing it, and all of those different things so that the business owner is not doing all those things. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause most entrepreneurs, again, they have this misled concept that they have to be busy 18 to 20 hours a day or else they're failures, right? right? And so they're trying to do everything themselves. You can't scale that. 
No, no. You're only one person and there are only so many hours in the day. And if you want a life outside of your business on top of the revenue goals that you have and whatnot, you can't do it by yourself. You have to have a team. You have to have support. You have to have coaches and mentors and all those various aspects that lift you up and help you see the path to your vision, because especially with the spiritual and transformative soul-led people, they are such creatives and such visionaries. And a lot of times they live in their head and then they do the things and that's all they do is this. And it just, it, it gets them to a certain plateau and then it's a plateau and they can't yeah. get over that hump because they're still stuck in the day-to-day -day and the management and the planning because they're doing it mostly alone or mostly alone. Right. And the other thing I found with that, that group, that niche is they're such loving and giving people that a lot of times they're not charging nearly enough for their, their businesses to support everything. So I think that's what holds them back to, to where they're working on their own. Do you find that with your, your some of your clients? That is absolutely the case with a lot of my clients. They're not charging enough or they don't, or they're still in the one-on-one -on -one coaching phase. And that is not really a scalable model either. Even if you are an elite, you know, coach charging high ticket prices, there's still only so much of you that goes around for one-on-one -on -one coaching. So it always makes sense to be able to have other revenue streams in the business. And again, if they're doing it all and that one-on-one -on -one coaching, they don't have time to take those ideas for those other revenue streams and do anything about them. And it frustrates them even more. You talk about different revenue streams. That's one thing trying to work with my clients. Talk to them about why it's so important to have multiple revenue streams. If you have one thing that you do and only that one thing, and something happens, you've lost everything, right? You've lost your money. I know one guy that he he was kind of the, the linchpin in his business. He would hire these great people and micromanage them. So they wouldn't do anything without him first saying. So he got injured to where he was out for a couple of weeks and everything stopped. Had he had multiple streams of, of revenue, they that those other streams would have kept going, even though he couldn't do the hands-on work that he was used to. Um, how do you Absolutely. help your, how do you help your people, um, put together those multiple revenue streams? Well, we talk it through and decide what is the best additional revenue streams for them. For many, it's putting together a group coaching program, um, for others, it's, uh, do it yourself courses and, and things like that. For others, it's like JV partnering and having multiple affiliate partner relationships to where they're. They're doing, they're promoting other people's products and services and whatnot to generate revenue. And, and that can go even deeper into different, there's so many different ways to have revenue streams now, but we always talk it through to see what fits their vision and their plan and who they are, because we don't want them doing something that's not authentic to them and would be disingenuous for them to put out there. It's not putting something out there just to make money. It's putting things out there that that further their vision and their impact in the world as well. It's not just about, you know, extra ways to make money per se. Exactly. Yeah. Something that'll help their clients too, but it, it relieves that pressure is the one-to-one right. -one coaching. Like I said, is that's a difficult thing to scale, right? Again, you can only have so many hours in the day to do that. If you go into a group coaching or you have courses or, or programs online that are asynchronous, people can do it whenever they have a moment that just opens up a whole new world. It does. It really does. And so many of those things are pretty much evergreen and just need a little bit of maintenance and whatnot on the back end, which is part of what we do after we get it all set up. 
so that, you know, it, you know, they say you wake up and your inbox has a bunch of cha-ching going on in it. You wake up and like, oh my gosh, look, I got five sales overnight while I was sleeping on my course and I've got an, an extra two, five, 10 grand in the bank now. It's awesome because there's, it's, it's minimal effort once you get it all built and set up and you get the right marketing going and all those different things. So do you actually help them lay out what their course should be or do you just relieve the pressure to give them the opportunity to create their courses? We can do that. And we can also bring in experts that we know that help them, help them, you know, get the, the concepts and the content laid out in a way that makes sense and is, you know, a viable course to do, but we can do it both ways. We can do it ourselves, especially if they have lots of content to work with. There's always great ways to package things together into different formats and we can help them do that if that's the case. Nice. And then if they want to start doing videos and things like that, do you have resources you can call in to help? Absolutely. Absolutely. Depending upon what the situation is, we can help them with the videos or we can bring in experts, especially if they want to do more highly produced videos than the, you know, the do it yourself videos. We can definitely help them to get, get that figured out as well. So with the folks you're working with, what, what do you see is holding them back? Is it a mindset? Is it uh, the, the fear of success? Is it the fear of failure at these things? What do you think is holding them back? Um, it's in, in a lot of cases, it's several different things. It is fear of failure and, uh, and, you know, it's fear of failure or fear of fear of success. Um, because, you know, when you're successful and you're doing what you've set out to do, you know, everything in your life changes, the people you hang out with, the people around you, all those different things change. And if they're afraid of losing people in their lives or things in their lives that they think, well, they'll lose by becoming successful, that holds them back. Um, you know, and there is such, such truth in you've got to spend money to make money. And there are a lot of them that have that, that, that scarcity mindset around what they really, what they need to spend money on. And because they see it as expenses and money going out and no money coming in, but it's really, it's, it's a flip of that, a reframe into it's an investment in yourself and your business to invest in the tools, the people, the things that are going to get you to that next level, because on the long term, that is going to have the return on your investment bigger and better than you could ever do by yourself. And most likely, you know, like we said, by yourself, you're just not going to get there. So you're just going to run yourself into the ground. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So in working with your clients, what's, what's the hardest part for you and your team? Um, well, it's making sure that everybody has the same clear expectations, going both directions, clear communication, going both directions, and that the processes are well laid out because, you know, even if the business owner doesn't really have the processes documented or anything like that, or even if they, you know, they, they're, you know, they may be set in their way, so to speak, there's got to be that openness to making things better because, you know, it's true. What you did to get here is not what you get continue to do to get there. And that you being open-minded and ready for change, ready for growth, ready for being open to the things that we're going to bring to the table, because sometimes we're going to shock you and you're going to, we're going to go, okay, you've been doing it this way, but that is the least effective but the, the least effective way or the, the, not the worst way, because there's never, you know, 
they, it's getting the job done, but it's not right. doing it in the best way possible. So, you know, we can come in and, and really up the ante and really up the game so that they're, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this and I should be doing that. And it's like, actually, yeah, you should, because, you know, some people have older technologies or no technology. And it's, and today, if you're in the online business world, tech is it. I mean, tech stacks, everybody's like, what's a tech stack? Well, tech stack is all that software and apps and things that run your business and your email list and all those different things. And if you don't have a really solid up-to-date tech stack, you, you know, that's other things you've got to get going too. And that's part of what we do as well is make sure every aspect of the business is the best it can be. Nice. And so, it, you know, it's a process. So I know impatience is one of the big <laughs> things that comes along with the business owner because they're like, okay, I hired you. So now tomorrow, oh, everything should be great and fun. And, and it's like, no, <laughs> this is a process and we have to do things a little bit at a time so that nobody's overwhelmed. So no balls get dropped. And so that we get to where you want to go in a way that is going to lead, lead to success in the most effective, um, easiest way possible. But that doesn't mean there's no instant gratification there. There, mm -hmm. It's just not, it's not like that. It's like, oh, I hired a team. So in a month, we're going to be making millions. It's like, mm, no, no, we're not. <laughs> no. no. Yeah, you, you break your leg. You're not up walking the next day. You stem the bleeding and then you fix, right? And, and get, so it takes, yes, it yes. does take time. Yeah. It does. And we, you know, and we do have to dive into the business and see what's what, what are you doing now? What, did, what did you do in the past? What's working? What's not working? Do you even know what's working? Are you doing any kind of tracking of what you're doing to see what's working? Are you just doing everything? You know, are you throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, there are a lot of business owners that don't know their numbers. They have no idea where the numbers are coming from. They don't know what they did to get that influx of, of new customers. So they don't know how to repeat it. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And there's so much, and with email marketing, there are so many nuances to it. And not only that, the, you know, you really have to stay on top of your list because the spammers and the bots that's, that are just like, they're constantly upgrading what they're doing to get through all those things that you're doing to block them. You've got to keep your list clean. If people unsubscribe, you've got to make sure you get them off the list. And, and if people hard balance and whatnot, you've got to get that off the list because deliverability is a big deal in the online marketing email side of things. And if you have a semi-dead list, or if you've got a lot of spammers and bots getting onto your list, going to kill your deliverability, which means your CRM is going to stop sending your stuff out as to on the best in the best way possible to make sure the most people get it in their inboxes and open it. And that really is, has an effect on your online uh, email marketing stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I can't agree more. Like you said, the, it's yes. When you first start off, you can run things on paper. Yes, as you grow, you can have an Excel spreadsheet. You need to get to a point where you use some of the tools that are available. It'll make it a lot easier. It'll keep up on you. It'll notify you when things need to be done. But you have to grow into that. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, project management tools are a, a godsend, in my opinion. And, you know, with you can't manage everything by email and you can't manage everything in, you know, a, you know spreadsheets and Google Drive or, you know, it's we are way too modern for that. And it makes, and it's, and some of these tools are so easy to use. And here's the other thing is 
the business owner doesn't have to know how to use all these tools, how to set them up, how to manage them and make them the most effective. Um, Cause that may not be their genius, especially in the visionary, creative, spiritual world. They're like, I know I need the tech and I know I need to do this and I know I need to do that, but I hate it. I don't want to do it. Can you do it? And it's like, yes, we can. And that's, that's the whole thing is they should never be doing the things they're not good at and the things they don't like doing because that takes away from their creativity and their visionary vision and all of those things. And it's, that's, that's one of those hurdles that they have to get past is, you know, because I've had so many clients over the years that are like, okay, I'm an online business owner but I don't like social media or I don't like, you know, a CRM that mass sends my email. And it's like, okay, do you really want to spend hours on end sending emails out and then get your email blocked? Because, you know, Google says you can't send that many out at a time. And then your internet provider blocks you and drops your, I mean, you, you don't have a choice in many respects because especially with spam laws and everything that is out there today, you really have to abide by those things. And yes, a CRM can be a little bit less personal, but if you do it right, it's not that impersonal to use a CRM and mass email people. They have the, those technologies have come such a long way other than it looking really beautiful with a banner and stuff. It's still personal because it's about the message you're sending out, not how you're sending it out. Right. Yeah. And studies show that email is still one of the best ways to connect with people. Yes, so. definitely. So is there a CRM package or a project management tool you recommend? Well, my favorite project management tool is Asana. It is, it's, it's, it's free level is one of the most robust free levels out there of any project management tool. Most of them are so minimal that they, it, it forces you to upgrade and pay. Right. Right. Whereas with Asana, you can go a long way before you have to pay. Um, and it's just, and it's very, for me, it's very intuitive and the way, and it's very versatile. And that's what's so cool about it. You can technically build your entire business back end in it as far as your, your processes, procedures, SOPs, all those things can live in there. And then all your projects and marketing initiatives and everything else can live in there. And it can become a very centralized tool. It's even good for some communication. I wouldn't make it the main communication tool. I mean, for you internally, obviously not for your, you know, your, your CRM side of things. CRMs, there's a lot of them out there. Um, if you need something fairly simple and easy, Active Campaign is really good. If you need something a bit more robust that has like a shopping cart and things like that, I am coming warming back up to keep Slash Infusionsoft. Um, and then there's, but there's so many options out there that you can do. And then there's the all-in-ones like Kajabi, depending upon what you're doing, you Kajabi can be an all-in-one tool for your courses, your CRM, your funnels, those different things just kind of depends on how you're doing things because certain, you know, all-in-ones are great, but just because they're all-in-one doesn't mean they do everything great. Sometimes you still need a few different tools specialist tools to be able to really make the most of what, out of what you're doing and make sure the tool does everything you want it to do and do it well. Exactly. Yeah. The all-in-one tools reminds me kind of like the, the diner where you have the 68 page menu, yes. right. Of every type of, of food available to mankind. <laughs> right. They can't do them all well. They do them. Okay. Right. They can't, right. they can't do that. Well, you want something that gives you specifics, right? So a CRM package that's focused on CRM has a relation management. Yeah. Yes, it is really better to, to keep that separate in most cases. There are very, 
I mean, and there, you know, of course, I don't know every single tool out there that would be impossible. I wouldn't be able to do anything else but keep up on the tools if I did. But, you know, and I'm always open to new and different things. And, you know, some people come to us and some some industries have industry specific tools. I know the real estate, you know, the real estate world has CRMs that are specific to real estate agents. I know attorneys have certain softwares and tech that are specific to law firms. And, you know, you got to stick with those because those are, you know, they, they have such different ways of doing things. Right. They are best kept in there. And, you know, you just have to become, you have to learn those tools. If, if you need to work with, if you're working with them, you learn those tools. There, there's a lot of similarities, especially if you're a tech savvy person like me to where you can pretty much figure it out. But you also have to make the time to look at any tutorials or get any training you need to get on it to be able to keep that tool for your clients because, you know, it's not always a good thing to change tools in certain circumstances. And that's one of them is if the tool is industry specific and as long as it's not ancient and, you know, and, and holding them back, it does need to stay a part of their business. Absolutely. But the point is find a tool that works and use it, use the functionality they put in there, right? Yes. The more you can automate and systematize, the better it will be for everybody, yourself and your team, because you got to think about, you know, if your team is doing everything manually, the expense, and then it is an expense. It's no law. It's not an investment to have a team. If you're paying them to do all these things manually and it takes them two to three times as long as it would, if you had a lot of things automated and systematized. So it makes sense. It's cost effective to actually do these things and use these things so that you can get the most out of your team for the best, get the most value out of what you're paying your team to do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Listeners, hope you guys are taking a lot of good notes and in the comments, if comment, I would love for you to comment on this. If you have any special CRM tools that you like, if you, if there are project management tools, you prefer something you've used in your business or that you recommend, uh, definitely put those in the notes. Love to hear what you're thinking. Um, so you talk about the hardest part of, of working with these clients. What are some of the, the most enjoyable parts for you? Do you have any success stories you want to share? Sure. Success stories. You know, one of the biggest successes that really lights me up is the relief that I see come over them as more and more work comes off their plate and more and more focus goes into their genius and what they love the change in their energy and their look, you know, their, their, you know, the, their overall look is just, it's night and day. That's one of the biggest successes for me. I know there's no money value to that, but sometimes that freedom and that space and that, that relief that they find is it's priceless. I mean, you can't put a dollar value on things like that, but yes, I have also taken so I've, I've had one client that we start, she was a startup, one of the only startups I've ever worked with, because um, generally speaking, startups don't have the capital to make that initial investment, but she did. And we took her from zero to a million dollar run rate in a year. Nice. Wow. And it was, it was, it was, it was a process and it was ups and downs and, you know, celebrations and, and, you know, failures, but that's, that's it. You know, business sales, uh, you, you fail your way to success. It's true. There is no such thing as starting a business and having overnight success that runs perfectly and happens perfectly. It just, it's not a thing. All those yeah. people that look like overnight successes <laughs> really spent many years yes. getting there. You just didn't know about them until now, till they became successful and famous. 
it there's it's that's the biggest success for me but yes seeing my you know getting things off my clients plates seeing the relief and the freedom that they find in that and then you know the revenue that does come come with it in you know in the long run because they just can't the growth and the space that they get in that with that is is just the best part of it all the most fun is watching them become you know really really embrace their genius because they can it's not that they don't want to and they can't they but they can and it just lights them up and that in turn lights me up absolutely absolutely love that so let's talk about courage um for a lot of people starting their own business would be something they would be afraid of right they're they'd rather have somebody else make the decision somebody else putting their neck on the line taking all the risks where did you find that courage? Where did that come from to start your own business? Well, the courage came from being, having it put upon me, so to speak. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I, I honestly had no um, aspirations to have my own business. <laughs> it kind of, it pretty much fell in my lap based on me needing to work from home on, you know, online to be able to help support my family and not have all my money go to daycare. I had two small children and any job I could have gotten would have all gone to daycare. So getting myself out there into the online world as a freelancer to start was, was the first courageous step I took. Cause it was like, I have no idea how this works. I'm going to figure it out as I go. Um, I was blessed with a, a remote job uh, for my first gig that lasted almost four years, taught me so much about, not only in skill set, but it took me from a simple customer service representative up to a business manager running a half a million dollar company in that time. It also taught me, you know, what to do, what not to do, uh, taught me what I was worth and what my value is because I was running that half a million dollar company for $12 an hour. Wow. Yeah. Big lesson learned. Yes. <laughs> and then, you know, and I took, you know, I was like, once I realized that I'm like, okay, I can't do this anymore. So I left that, took a break and, uh, and, you know, thanks to home ownership and, you know, the things that happen with a house that you own and you have to fix, not the landlord, I had to go back into work. And I was mm -hmm. like, I don't want to do that e-commerce stuff. So I went into transcription and that's where I learned about all these online entrepreneurs that I work for now. And that was like, that put me on fire again to go, oh my gosh, I want to do this again, but I want to do it for them. And so to be successful at that and to get clients, even as a freelancer, you, you have to network, you have to social. I got on the social media and I was blessed to come into a contact with uh, three or four virtual assistants, fellow virtual assistants who wanted to subcontract to me. That was what got me my start. And it was like, okay, if they're going to, if I'm going to be a subcontractor, I need a business. Because I know that I need to have business protections around this to, to protect me from anything that with their business, because they've got their business protections for them, but also our personal assets and our personal world, because I didn't want anybody to be able to come after our personal side if anything happened. Right. So, you know, then the business was born and those three ladies helped me launch it, name it, build it and get it going. And then social networking and, and online, you know, interactions and all those things, it just is where it went from there. And, you know, the, the more success I had and the more people I met and the more clients I got, the more confident I became. And I took it all the way to six figures. 
And I thought, you know, and I'd been working for many clients and doing all kinds of different things. And I was like, you know, I got the opportunity to work for just one client and become exclusive and maintain that six figures. And so I was like, you know what, this will be a great change. I don't have to worry about this client, that client and all this work and team members and da, 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 da. And I went exclusive with a client. And then a year later, they let me go. Mm. And I literally had to start all over from scratch. And courage had to courage had to come pick me up again because I could have just lost it all and left it and gone, okay, I failed. I'm done. And my husband even gave me that opportunity. He said, you can be done if you want, hon. We don't have to have your business. We don't have to have your revenue anymore. You know, the kids are grown. We've paid all those bills. If you just want to be you, you can do that. And I was like, you know what? I'm not done yet. I, this isn't the end. I said, I had my daughter-in-law working with me. I had just hired her and I'm like, we were just getting things roll. I was, you know, I'm like, I, we need to do this. I need to continue because I, I had the space to create whatever I wanted, the business of my dreams, because I had that freedom now, instead of being locked up in that one client and trying to do a, a second, a, a different revenue stream, another revenue stream, I was able to create a whole new business and which technically has revenue streams because of the type of services we offer. I'm not the one doing all the work. My team does a lot, most of the work, and that allows me to help more people have more of an impact and yet not work myself to death and exactly. be the antithesis of what I <laughs> preach to everybody. Exactly. But I, were, did you have entrepreneurs in your family? Did you learn from them to be an entrepreneur? Not, not really. I mean, my grandfather was the president of a bank when I was just a baby. So I didn't, and he was a farmer and well, my dad was a farmer and I got to see my dad both succeed in farming. And then when farming went in the toilet in the eighties, I saw him crash and burn. And uh, so, you know, in a way I did get to see some entrepreneurial success from a farming perspective. Um, And a sister of mine did try to get into the restaurant business and, and while she was good at it and the restaurant could have been successful through no fault of her own, it wasn't uh, because of simply because of location, yeah. the location for what she was trying to do was not the right place to be for her kind the kind of restaurant she was trying to create. Yeah. And so I saw her do well until she didn't. But, you know, those are, you know, that's a brick and mortar business. Farming is a whole nother animal. Right. So as far as the kind of entrepreneurship and business that I have, didn't really have that in my family. Didn't have that experience in my family. In fact, I still have family members who don't even understand what I do. I mean, un- my mother until her dying day, God rest her soul, thought I sat on the couch and did nothing. She wondered why I had housekeepers and things. She's like, why you don't do anything? Mm-hmm. I was like... Okay. <laughs> if you say so, mom. <laughs> Very cool. And so how many employees do you have working for you right now? So uh, we are all contractors and I have a team of 10 people, including myself. Nice. Uh, varying, varying levels of the amount of time they are uh, working for me. And in fact, one of them actually is waiting in the wings to do work. She has a, she does actually have a day job. Um, but she also wants to work. She's worked with me off and on over the years prior to going back to the job world. 
Um, and at some point I'm going to steal her from the job world and bring her back into the online world only. Um, but, but yes, there's 10 of us, uh, and we all work together to, to make things happen for my business and the clients, because my team works for me too. They work for mm -hmm. my business as well. Sure. Very cool. So if I was to bump into any of these folks and ask them what type of leader you are, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? Mm, uh, loud, <laughs> <laughs> vocal, boisterous, um, frank, but professional. Um, I tell it like it is no, no sugarcoating anything good or bad. Um, but also loving and supportive and wanting to wanting the best out of everybody, including myself and, you know, being there for them as they're there for me. I'm not that aloof leader that is just, you know, no one gets to talk to me kind of a thing. And, um, you know, and it's, I'm very, I'm definitely strong and, and opinionated, <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, it's, but I'm also open to ideas and suggestions and, and other people's input. It's, it's not an autocracy or a, or a dictatorship. We are definitely a team and, you know, and I look to my team for, you know, ideas and suggestions because I definitely don't have the, you know, end all be all of ideas, suggestions, and things to do for us and for our clients. Yeah, yeah but I'm, that's, that's a great point, though. As, as the entrepreneur, as a leader, as a business owner, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be able to do everything. You have to right. surround yourself with people to do and then get the best out of them, right? Absolutely. Help them succeed, help them be great at what they do, and it helps everybody. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Very cool. Well, this has been fun. The time has just flown by. I'm looking at the clock now. Oh, um, yes. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? What's your website? My website is sophiezo.com, S-O-P-H-I-E-Z as in zebra, O.com. And all you, you can learn a lot about us there. There's buttons to book a free call to learn more. Um, I do have a free report on there called The Ultimate Guide to Taking Back Your Time. That will give you an introduction to, you know, the whole team thing. Uh, when, when you know you're ready for a team, who needs to be on the team, how to make the most of your team, you know, on, on a high level. And then I do have a podcast as well called Building Your Empire with Sophie Zoe. They can learn more about me. And, and what we do there. Season one is all about us and what we do. Season two is experts who complement and, you know, kind of reinforce the things that we teach um, from different industry expert perspectives. And um, so that's another place to learn more about us as well. And then of course, I'm all over social, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Clubhouse. The only thing I'm not on is TikTok. My daughter has forbade me to be on TikTok. <laughs> um, so uh, you can always find me on social media as well. Very cool. Excellent. Well, I will make sure that all of those links um, are in the show notes. Um, okay. Links to your website, links to your podcast. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, very cool. This has been great. Thank you so much for taking time. Really. Thank it. you. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate the, the opportunity to be here and to share my story with your people. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's always fun to talk like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good stuff. All right. Listeners, hope you guys were taking a lot of notes. Make sure that you check out uh, 
the, the website that is sophiezo.com. Um, look for the link to the podcast, right? You can go out and get that there and everything. And uh, yeah, share this with your family, friends, and colleagues. If you know somebody in business that's struggling, talk to them about getting some outside assistance with things, right? That's the only way they're going to grow is if they get some help in their business. So definitely check out sophiezo.com. And share this with your family, friends, colleagues, and stick around because there's always more coming. And that's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now.